Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Superman from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. And now to our story. When Nancy Harmon and young Jimmy Olsen seemingly vanished into thin air, Kent, as Superman, found them in a cabin deep in the woods, some miles from the Bartlett logging camp, of which Nancy's father, Fred Harmon, is boss. They appear to be under the sleep-producing influence of a drug. Rushing them back to the camp, Kent had Bill Dawson, Harmon's right-hand man, send to Montville, the nearest town, for Father Malone, a Northwoods priest who, because of the lack of a physician, ministers to the body as well as the soul. It is midnight in the logging camp office. Nancy and Jimmy, although still under the influence of the sleeping potion, seem to be in no danger. Fred Harmon, exhausted by the ordeal, has gone to bed. Kent and Father Malone, a tall, broad-shouldered man with warm gray eyes and a ready smile, are seated before the fire. Well, now, let's see. I've been up in this section of the woods close to 12 years, Mr. Kent. That's a long time, Father Malone. Oh, not so long. Time passes quickly when there are things to do. Yes, 12 years. My first parish was in St. Clair. That's 10 miles north of Montville. Oh, I, I had seven worshippers, and five of them didn't understand a word of English, and I didn't speak a word of French. <laughs> but we got along famously. The moment those Canucks discovered I could handle a rifle, we were friends. <laughs> don't you ever want to go back to a big city? No, no, I, I don't think I'd like it. People are so much more human up here. Mm-hmm. They learn to depend on themselves, and they learn to develop faith in themselves and in providence. Mm. Uh, where did you learn medicine, Father? Books. And a few lessons from Dr. Warren at Hart's Landing. Oh. Of course, I never tamper with anything that looks serious. Just odds and ends. Well, you're quite sure Jimmy and Miss Harmon will be all right? Positive. Pulse and respiration are normal. Your diagnosis, I think, was quite correct. Some sort of a sleeping portion. Now, tell me exactly what happened. Well, apparently, Father, it's the White Plague legend again. Okay. Yes, it seems two loggers died very mysteriously a few days ago. And then a third came staggering in out of a blizzard last night and passed away almost in my arms. Then early today, a fourth man collapsed. Dawson said he'd been struck by a rattler. Oh, no, that's nonsense. Snakes hibernate during the winter. Anything else happened? Yes, early this afternoon, Jimmy and I were riding back to camp in a horse-drawn sled when someone shot at us from the woods. Shot to kill. I've been waiting for something like that. So? This white plague legend has been haunting me, Kent, ever since I started working among lumberjacks. Like any legend, it passes from mouth to mouth, and the miracles created by it are manifold. But sooner or later, we discover the legend is being put to good or bad use by some misguided human. Mm. So you were shot at, eh? Yes. Fortunately, neither Jimmy nor I were hit. We got back to camp, and while Mr. Harmon and I were discussing the series of curious accidents, Jimmy and Miss Harmon went out to look at some young raccoons penned up near a shed. Yes, uh, Dawson uh, mentioned that incident to me. Uh-huh. How you followed their footprints in the snow, and they suddenly stopped. That's right. 
Did he tell you about the big white bird? Oh, I know. What was that? Well, while Dawson and I were searching for Jimmy and Nancy, we heard two rifle shots. We ran back and found that Mr. Harmon had fired at what he claimed was a giant bird. A bird he was certain had carried Nancy and Jimmy off. We found one of the feathers on the snow. As a matter of fact, here it is on the mantle here. Uh, let me see it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, this is very, very curious. Uh, do you know what bird this feather came from, Mr. Kent? No, I don't, Father. This is one of the large tail quills of a big male turkey, bleached white. A uh, turkey? Yes, that's what it is. I raised them out west when I was a boy, so I should know. This one's been bleached with lime or oxalic acid. The natural color is gray. Uh, tell me more about this bird, Mr. Kent. Oh, there isn't much more I know. Although I could scarcely believe that any bird, even a condor, was strong enough to carry off a human being, the abrupt ending of those footprints in the snow and Mr. Harmon's insistence that he had seen the giant bird made me wonder. Where did you find Nancy and Jimmy? In a cabin about two miles from here. There was a fire going in the stove, so evidently no permanent harm was meant them. They were both unconscious. I brought them back here, and, well, the rest you know. Kent... I'm afraid we're dealing with a clever, unscrupulous individual who must be somewhere in this camp. How do you explain the footprints, Father? I mean, the fact that they ended abruptly and led nowhere. Well, I, I can't at the moment. Neither can I explain the bird Mr. Harmon saw, unless it was simply hysteria. Certainly, Fred Harmon doesn't believe in the white plague now, does he? I'm beginning to wonder. At times, even Dawson seems to be drawn in by it. Of course, once Nancy and Jimmy awake and, and were able to tell us what happened, why, then we'll know a great deal more than we do now. Yes. I wonder who that could be this time of the night. I'll see. Oh, Dawson, come in. Why, I, I thought you'd turned in, Bill. Couldn't sleep, Father. This thing's been preying on my mind. Pull up a chair for yourself. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Kent here has been telling me all that's happened, Bill. What do you make of it? Well, right now I'm mixed up, Father. The men will clear out of camp in the morning. They're all scared to death. What are they afraid of? You know, same old story. The white plague. Are you afraid of it, Bill? Oh, me? Of course not. I didn't think so. Well, who's leading the men on? Fear always has a leader, you know. Well, no one in particular, unless it's Kurt Travers. He keeps telling them the camp's curse. We've got to keep the men here, Bill. If only for their own morale. We've got to prove this white plague legend is just that, a legend. You're going to have a tough time, Father, I can tell you. Not if I get your help, Bill. By the way, Bill, do I understand that you said one of the loggers was bitten by a rattler? Now you know as well as I do that rattlers haul in for the winter. Uh, it was the first thing I could think of at the moment. I mentioned a heart attack, but that didn't work. Well, how did the man die? He was poisoned, Father. What? Are you sure, Kent? Positive. You didn't say nothing to Mr. Harmon or me about that, Kent. I was keeping it to myself. Someone around here can't be trusted. Oh, listen, Kent, I don't take that kind of trust. Oh, no, 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 sit down, Bill. I'm sure Mr. Kent meant no harm. Uh, better watch what he says. You're very sensitive tonight, Dawson. Now, uh, please, Mr. Kent. I'm sorry, Father. How did you happen to discover the man was poisoned, Mr. Kent? He was sitting on a stump eating lunch when he collapsed. I picked up the remains of the sandwich he dropped when I helped Dawson lift him and carry him to the shed. It was loaded with rat poison, bichloride of mercury. I don't believe it. Whether you believe it or not, I happen to have what's left of the sandwich, and I can produce it at the proper time. Then what all this boils down to is systematic murder. But what possible motive could there be? Wait a minute. The crew's lunch was packed by the cook. Nobody knew Sam Green was going to get that poison sandwich, assuming it was poison. I don't think it was intended for Green. It didn't matter who got it. 
Oh, sounds fishy to me. Don't it to you, Father? Not if the man who poisoned it was out to create terror and fear of the White Plague, which seems to be the case. But then why did he try to get rid of Jimmy and myself? Certainly we played no part in the scheme of things. Unless... Unless what, Mr. Kent? Well, I may be all wet on this, but could it be that the person who tried to kill us doesn't believe that Jimmy and I came here to the camp just for a vacation? Is it possible he thinks I'm spying on him? That presupposes he has something to hide. Wait a minute. thought I heard someone moving around in the back room. Jimmy or Nancy might have regained consciousness. No, no, I guess not. Who would have anything to hide in a backwoods logging camp? It might be a crime committed some time ago. I can see this ain't getting nowhere. Guess I'll turn in. Good night, Father. Good night, Bill. I trust you can sleep. Good night, Dawson. I don't like his attitude. Not a bit. Ah, Bill Dawson's all right. Little crude and little gruff, but harmless. You mustn't look for the polish of civilization in these woods, King. There isn't time to acquire it. Men of the North Country spend most of their working hours either fighting for existence or battling nature. Either way, they have a fight on their hands. So do city people. I assure you, life isn't any bed of roses for the unfortunate families who have to live in slum areas. Ah, there you're right. But the problem up here is slightly different. Now, you work at the desk back at your newspaper office, don't you? Yes. Well, chances are you never stop to think of the sweat and blood that went into getting the wood for that desk. First, the superhuman labor of felling the tree with a thermometer at 30 degrees below zero, and then carting it to the river in the face of a blinding blizzard, then pulling it 50 miles downstream where a misstep means horrible death. All for a desk or a chair or a pencil. These men who do that work face destruction every minute of the day, and all they have to guard against it is their wits and their brawn. You can't expect any social grace. Oh, I, I don't, Father Malone. That, that wasn't my point. It's just that Dawson's been acting strange through all this misfortune. I, I, I can't quite understand it. Well, I, I had that same trouble when I first arrived here, but I learned fast. They don't talk unless they have something to say. And they've never seen anything accomplished by talking. It takes two brawny arms and a sharp-bladed axe to fell a tree, not just words. Understand? I think so. Ah, uh, but you mustn't let me go on like this. You, now, now, you were saying that, that Bill's actions have been strange. Wait a minute. I thought I heard a voice. Yeah. Boy, you did. You did. Someone shouting fire. Look, one of the cabins is blazing. Come on, Father. We're right behind you, Kent. Look at those flames. Say, you can feel the heat from here. It's terrific. Those dry pine logs go up like tinder. I wonder whether anyone's in that cabin. No, we'll find out. Hey! Is there anyone inside? Yes! Kirk Travers! He can't get out! He's trapped! Kirk Travers! Trapped! We've got to take Roaring, devastating fire. The woodsman's one deadly fear. Will Kent, even as Superman, be able to save Kurt Travers from the blazing inferno of his log cabin? And can the fire be kept from spreading into the forest beyond the camp? Tune in again for more thrills. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.